Hey guys, Darren here. You're listening to the Supernaturalist podcast show. This show exists to connect, equip, and promote emerging supernaturalists on a global level. And I trust that that's why you're listening is because it's your desire to see God's kingdom come, his will be done, established through your daily contribution. It's such an honor to have you listening to the show today. You're going to love, look, if you'll love me, you're going to love this show because I love the content. Look, <laughs> part of this podcast, the huge part of it is the whole equipping arm. And so we're going to be featuring content today from Pastor Bonnie Shavda that was released during our summer camp meeting at Seattle Revival Center. Love Bonnie, love her energy, love her anointing and the glory that she walks in. Bonnie Shavda in this session here leans into the tension and cognitive barriers that would love to confine us to old school ideologies that are comfortable, but not necessarily biblical. Like how do we do glory in heaven and influence in earth? Like how do we do these things? And to what degree does our earthly existence separate us from our heavenly home and community? And is there an opportunity for collaborative influence like here and there for the glory of God and the transformation of here? Like, I don't know. These are questions um, that, that I ask, and these are things that Bonnie talks about in this session. There's so much in this teaching to digest, but to the degree that we're willing to wrestle with this and chew this revelation, I think that there's some huge theological applications that have the capability of adapting our personal and corporate grids. But before we dive into all of that, Make sure that you go to darrenstott.com, okay? If you go there, you can actually click a link to join the tribe. You'll see it right off the, the top of the page. You say, join the tribe, what's that? Well, every week, every week, every week, got loads of content that's hitting the net. And when you join the tribe, Okay, you're gonna get a letter from me every week, um, an article, things that I'm thinking on, different resources, opportunity for deeper relationship. Okay, um, and that's that's definitely a big deal. But also at DarrenStott.com, you're gonna see um, all of our podcast episodes are right there. All of our radio episode episodes <laughs> they're there too okay um and so go again to darrenstott.com join uh the tribe and check out all um countless countless well, I'm, I'm sure you could count it if you wanted to but hours and hours and hours of content that's there for you to eat okay and last but not least hope you're digging the podcast okay um do me a favor and rate and review um, this podcast on iTunes. I've created a link to get you there. It's um, thedarrenshow.com, okay? Thedarrenshow.com. That'll redirect you to iTunes. Listen, um, ratings and reviews, all right? That's what triggers the iTunes algorithm that um, essentially elevates. It allows for our podcast to ascend up the ladder of, 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 countless um eternal content that's on itunes right now podcasts are such a big deal so your your ratings and reviews it basically allows the gold to come to the top <laughs> all right so um uh you rate it you can give it a star that means that you think it's kind of lame or you can give it five stars and that means that you think this is off the change and and, and just use your own words leave a little thing like um uh, digging this joint i think you're gonna like it if you into 
Christocentric um, supernatural content, then check out this podcast. I mean, use your own words, but you, you get the, uh, the idea. And for all of you guys, I mean, there's so many of you that have already done this. I'm going to give you a virtual high five. Yeah, and I jumped in the air when I gave you that virtual high five. So again, um, rate and review, and without any further ado, let's dive into this incredible session with Pastor Bonnie Shavda right here, right now on the Supernaturalist Podcast Show. Let's go. Connecting, equipping, and promoting emerging supernaturalists. <laughs> Being created for such a time as this. All right, and here we go. <laughs> there is more. He said, what? Breaking used to tell a true story about an old, a young country preacher. Went to cemetery and got all educated. And they sent him to his first assignment, a little bitty church out in the backwoods of a prairie in Oklahoma. And he worked and worked and studied and studied on his messages he was going to bring on his first Sunday morning. And he got to church and there was one old lone cowboy sitting about halfway back. And young preacher looked at him and he said, well... He said, I, I've, I've got a message prepared. Um, since you're the only one here, you, you want me to go ahead and give it? Cowboy just nodded his head. So a young preacher started into his message. And he preached. And he preached. And he preached. And he preached. Half an hour went by. And he kept preaching. Hour went by, he was still preaching. Half an hour later, he finally wrapped it up. And he looked at the cowboy, and he said, how'd I do? And the cowboy said, well, young fella, I don't know about, much about preaching. But I do know that if I loaded up my truck with hay and went out into the pasture, and there's one old lone cow standing out there, I wouldn't give her the whole load. <laughs> but I want to give you the whole load. <laughs> I have got some things that have been rumbling around in my mind and heart. And I'm delighted to be able to have the opportunity to take advantage of Darren <laughs> and the crazy people that do summer camps. Because it reminds me, we've been doing this thing called the Watch, a corporate all-night you know, um, all prayer meeting for like 25 years on Friday nights. And in the first number of years, we literally, we'd, we'd meet at 10 o'clock at night and pray together until 6 o'clock in the morning. And we did that for years. The corporate body, unbelievable, outrageous. We had some of the most supernatural connections to national, international, and city 
public events. Unbelievable. Charlotte, uh, North Carolina was the first city in the U.S. where uh, a uh, Hezbollah cell was hidden and they were doing interstate trafficking and all kinds of stuff and sending money to Al-Qaeda back in the Middle East. Nobody was talking about any of that stuff way before 9-11, blah, blah, blah. And we got that information line by line in the watch on a Friday night, about three o'clock in the morning, there happened to be a, a new guy to our congregation that was a, a, an agent in ICE. And what we didn't know, but he knew, is they had a top secret classified operation that, that was involving uh, federal and state and city agencies that they were about to do a sting on this hidden Hezbollah cell in Charlotte, North Carolina the following Monday. And we were praying that classified thing just line by line together in the watch. And this, this guy, he was kind of standing off to the side. And the more we prayed, the whiter he got. And the look on his face just more and more. And finally, it was so dramatic, so, you know, distressing. I kind of, they were, you know, we were doing our thing. So I kind of sidled over to him and I said, you Okay. You all right with all that? I didn't know who he was. I didn't know he was an agent with a federal agency. And he was like, yeah, just, you, just keep praying. And then we saw on Monday morning, national, local newspaper headlines, all the success, everything where the people of God had entered into the realm of the spirit governmentally and had established in advance what God was planning to do through natural agencies for the well-being of our city, et cetera. Fox News did about an hour special on it a few years later, a few years ago. Anyway, a lot of stuff like that. So um, in addition to that, I come from the Acapella Church of Christ background. Now, I don't know if you're familiar with it, but in my early days until I was about 20, the only Bible training I had was a theology that basically said the Trinity was the Father, Son, and the Bible. <laughs> There's a slight problem with that because cessationism means um, you get a little sticker on your forehead when you receive Jesus into your heart and get water baptized and then you just wait, hoping he will come soon. In the meantime, you're watching people get sick and die all around you because this must be the will of God. Okay. So, when I was 18, I recognized that through some, a series of unfortunate events and stupid decisions in my own life, that I had opened my life to spiritual forces beyond my control. <laughs> so I went on a quest looking for somebody who could cast demons out of me. A little outside my theological box, but I was interfacing with real spiritual realities entities, beings, persons that I did not know how to deal with. So the first thing, as I, I was living in Texas, the first thing that I did is I ran back home because I figured, you know, where are you going to go when you need help or safety? You're going to go home. So I went back home 
And I went back to the man who was the pastor and talked to him about it. And immediately he, uh, in his heart and mind, and then later I think he said to my folks that I needed to be admitted to the psychiatric hospital <laughs> in the next town. <laughs> Um, so I went from there to the Pentecostal pastor. Why not? Told him what was going on. He basically said, well, it's all your imagination because Christians can't have demons. So I went from there to the Bible Baptist. He gave me another line of something. I went from there to the Spanish Church of God. No kidding, nine spiritual leaders in my hometown. Nary a one said, girlfriend, you got demons, and I'm going to lay hands on you and take authority over them. This message today is not about demonology or deliverance, but it's the first bail in the whole load. So from there, I was on a quest to find someone who would deal with these things that were harassing me. It led me to Lubbock, Texas, and I was volunteering in the children's church of uh, a, what was becoming a huge non-denominational charismatic church during the charismatic outpouring, international charismatic outpouring that really hit the U.S., began with the Jesus movement and some of the wonderful things, John Wimber, Lonnie Frisbee, some of those guys, and was sweeping the nation. And so I found myself in this massive uh, church led by Morris Sheets in Lubbock, Texas. And I was volunteering in the children's church one Sunday morning and sitting on the swing next to the other little volunteer that was about my age. I didn't know her from Adam. And as we were swinging, the girl just opens her mouth and she starts giving me her testimony about her. I didn't know. Maybe I was always manifesting things and everybody knew that I needed deliverance. But I'd never met this girl before, and she started telling me just out of her mouth about her testimony of how her pastor had prayed deliverance for her, and she had gotten the relief that she was looking for. Amen. And I said, take me to your leader. <laughs> there are no coincidences. I spent four hours yesterday talking to the guy who was the executive vice president of a rising new tech company that is one of the real up and outers. And I know it was a divine appointment and he's actually in Seattle and we may even run into him tomorrow. There are no coincidences. Galatians 4 says that in the fullness of time, it's talking about a kairos season. It's an opening, it's an aperture where all the conditions and timing and, and equipment and knowledge come together in a single moment and accomplishes what God has set, what has he, has he has intended. And he says that in the fullness of time, he sent his son into the world and it goes on to say that in that kairos, in that fullness of time, we might receive the spirit of adoption as sons. And then it repeats it. 
that in the Kairos, God sent forth his spirit into our hearts, whereby we cry, Abba, Father. Now, all right, for a little while it may be, Abba, Father. But that is not supposed to be our entire Christian life. Because the same scriptures also say that the heir, as long as he's a child, he's no better than a servant. And it says, but you're not children. Or basically it says, now let's grow up. Jump over to Hebrews. And in the book of Hebrews, I believe it's chapter 6, our spiritual mentor, father, Derek Prince, great Bible teacher, amazing man of God, loved the glory, the miracles, unbelievable. I'm so thankful because it's true. We have not many spiritual fathers. There's a spirit of fatherhood in this house. There is a spirit of fatherhood in this house. But Derek has a very famous book and teaching and all kinds of stuff on the foundation series. And it's, you know, faith towards God, repentance from dead works, the doctrine of baptisms, eternal life, forgiveness of sins, the judgment, all of those things. And Derek always used to say just what it says in the Bible. We lay the foundation and then we go on building on that foundation. But reality is, in general, the church members individually, the church as a general whole of the body of Christ in the earth, I think we've kept circling back around and around and around and around and around on the foundations that are meant to get us from to being sons. (laughs) Right? And even this morning, Steve, the spirit of teaching was on him. He was telling us what God is doing and wants us to hear. Then these guys jumped in and clarified it. They said, it's what you don't see, what you don't hear, what you're not imagining. And then they emphasized sons, 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 and it's unprecedented and it's now. Now all these things may be words that we've heard a lot, that we have heard a lot. But we're going to hear something together today. And um, Pastor Darren, one of the things that you and I so uh, appreciate and enjoy is our opportunities just to chat together. So this morning, I would like for you to have that other microphone in your hand. And as we're going along here, I want you to jump in and make a comment or ask a question or whatever. All right. I think one of the new things that needs to happen is we need to allow the Lord to change our Pentecostal charismatic church traditions where we come together. And again, somebody stands up here and, you know, gives you the whole load and you stand out there trying to eat it all and then go home. And I'm longing for the days that we can actually have conversations in the glory together in the way that the ecclesia, the assembly, the called out ones, the legislative body of Christ in the earth should do. And probably did in the beginning, and it's one of the reasons why this has been laid on women for a long, long time, but the guy was like, listen, dude, when we come together as families, not everybody talking all at once, just let the representative of the family ask the questions, and you guys can discuss it when you go, this is the one about let not, you know, women keep silent in the 
church, whatever. Well, why? Because they were having some real learning, epiphany, get down to it, right, uh, right, you know, right. evolution that was happening in this amazing yeah. fulfillment of thousands and thousands yeah. of years of promise yeah. that had come through the Messiah. Now they had witnessed the spectacle, the cosmic spectacle of the death and resurrection of Jesus. Yeah. They knew of his visiting with folks, of the people who came out of the grave when he came came up and wandered around Jerusalem saying hello again to their families and, you know, sat down in church for the next however until they died, you know, of natural causes. Come on. Yeah. Visitations of angels, all kinds of stuff was going on. Yeah. One of the things was not all of this was new. The new thing was that the Messiah had actually come. Yeah. And the other new thing was his victory plan was carried out not in exactly the way they had expected. Kairos moment. Yeah. So, Darren, I'd like for you to be open to getting in this conversation. I want to um, just read a couple of scriptures. They're a little wordy. Get ready. Second Kings 6. Elisha and his servant are in a certain city in Syria. The king is sending his army to get rid of Elisha because he has discovered that Elisha is continually discovering his war strategies and subverting them. Yeah. And so he's got to get rid of Elisha, this man of whom it is said he knows what you say in your bedroom. Yeah. Therefore, the king, he sent horses and chariots, a great host, and they came by night and circled the city. And the servant of the man of God was raised up early and had gone forth and saw the host compassing the city with horses and chariots. And so he ran into Elisha and he said, boss, what are we going to do? They're all around us. We're surrounded. Say we're surrounded. We're surrounded. This is the word of the Lord. Fear not. That's right. <laughs> so Elisha says, no problem. The guys with us are more than them. Servants looking around in the room, he sees me and you. I've been outside. I saw the horses and chariots. Came back in, me, you. <laughs> Elisha says, come on. On the way out the door, he said, Lord, give him seeing eyes. Yeah. Give him seeing eyes. And the Lord did. And suddenly, he looked around and he saw, reading now, behold. Say behold. behold. Shout it out. Behold. Tell yourself. Behold. Tell your neighbor. Behold, the mountain, say mountain. mountain. Mountains are significant. Mountains geographically are significant, and there are mountains in the spiritual realm. Yes. This city is a mountain. When I came in and I saw Darren, the first thing I said, I said, are you taking this mountain? Yeah. Yeah. And he said, yes, I am. Yeah. <laughs> say the mountain. The mountain was full of horses and chariots of fire around Elisha. 
We know at least one specific incident previously where Elisha saw a chariot of fire. What happened? Thank you, Elijah. You can say things yeah. in this meeting. You can shout them out. You can say, if we get to a point where I have to tell the women to shut up, I will. But let's, let's try to get there. Okay? So, the mountain was full of horses and chariots of fire around Elisha. Now, apparently, Elisha carried from the day of his encounter when the chariot came by and took Elijah up and Elijah shouted, he said, if you see me, you'll have it. What was he talking about? It wasn't just that hairy robe. It wasn't just the anointing. It was a new identity, a recognition that wherever he was, he was in the mountain of God. And in that mountain, there is a great host. There is a great host. Say in the mountain. In the mountain. Say the mountain is full. And so Elisha was actually very kind because this poor Syrian army that had come to destroy them were so outnumbered that he took pity on them. And he sort of did the Obi-Wan, these are not the droids you're looking for. (laughs) And he did exactly what Michael just shared about. Happened in Charlotte, not in this city. Elisha was saying, not in this region. And he led them by the hand out to another place in total blindness and suddenly opened their eyes and then he fed them a big dinner. Interesting way to deal with your enemies. But I would suspect it had some impact on international affairs, at least for a little while. You should believe that you, as a son, with sons in the mountain of God have been given authority and a commission to have impact certainly on your family and city very potentially on your state and nation and even on international affairs let me say this start in your Jerusalem don't be out there, you know, I'm going to Kazakhstan with my shofar. I'm going to prayer walk the mountains and bring, well, hold on. <laughs> Who's ruling the school board in Seattle? Come on, come on. Okay, you with me? All right. Jerusalem, Samaria, the uttermost parts. And not on your own. Never on your own. These are some of the new things. And I'm suggesting them to you, but it's true. Uh, I don't know if Pastor Mahesh shared it with you. I may share it tomorrow about the benefits of church attendance. Uh, Some studies that have been done recently that talk about the drastic, radical, amazing, positive difference in the lives of those individuals who actually regularly attend church, even no matter what's being said and done at church. The church no matter how far off or into idolatry or asleep or whatever, the church is the church and God has got something going on. 
So say the mountain was full. Matthew 17, after six days, Jesus, Jesus took Peter, James, and John, his brother, and took them to a high mountain and was transfigured before them in a space shone like the sun and his raiment was white as light. And then came Moses and Elijah talking to him. And Peter wanted to stay there. God brings us together. He blasts us with the glory he opens our eyes, our heart, our ears. He touches us, and he intends us to take the glory out of the mountain into the world and culture around us. And in so doing, preach good news, release captives, and bind kings in chains and fetters according to Psalm 149. This honor have all his saints to bind kings and princes with chains and fetters. Yeah. It's interesting because in that context, everything, it's a big worship service. It's praise. It's praise. So here they are. They're on the mountain talking. Peter says, Lord, it's so, this is so good. Let's just make three dwelling places, one for you, one for Moses, one for Elijah, and camp here. Suddenly a bright cloud overshadowed them, and a voice spoke out of the cloud and said, This is my son. Listen to him. The disciples heard it. They fell on their face. They were trembling, completely afraid, which theoretically should happen when we have a real visitation. Because God is other, and he is awesome. And Jesus came. He's also personal and merciful and knows us and loves us intimately. And touched them and said, stand up. Touch your neighbor in some appropriate place in the name of the Lord. That was not appropriate. <laughs> <laughs> and say <laughs> to them, to their spirit, stand up. Stand up. Stand up. It's time to rise and shine, folks. It's time to rise. The glory that was on Jesus that they saw in this moment in the mountain has been given to us. This is the spirit of the sovereign Lord who is on us. And it's time to stand up in the fullness as heirs and take this glory into the world. Don't be afraid. When they looked up, it was Jesus standing there, no longer face like the sun, no longer white garments, Moses and Elijah. At least they couldn't see him. It was the Jesus they knew. And I imagine their minds were torqued. And as they were coming off the mountain, Jesus said, don't tell anybody what you've seen up here. Yeah. 
until after I'm resurrected. They had just seen the war strategy and no, it was classified until Jesus had executed it. Hebrews, Hebrews is that one that says, let us move beyond the elementary teachings about Christ and be taken forward into maturity, not laying again the foundations of faith towards God and repentance from sin and baptisms and eternal judgment and all those, okay? Man, it's time for us to just simply stand up as sons and say, yeah, yeah, make it so, Lord. So, Hebrews 12, uh, following the great faith hall of fame, of all the ones that encountered God in their time, in their generation, before God became flesh and created something new in the death and resurrection of his body. That is the giving of himself by his spirit to inhabit individual human beings perpetually and overshadow this great company on the earth as his living body. Say body. 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 Yes. So, and it names all these amazing things. And he says, Wherefore, seeing we are surrounded. Say, we are surrounded. surrounded. The mountain, the mountain, is full of chariots and horses and angels and the spirits of just men made perfect, of God present with us, Jesus, who's mediated the new covenant and the blood is speaking better things. And then there's a stern warning. Pay attention because there's going to be a test. <laughs> Really? I'm giving you all these things. Don't show up like the guy with the one talent. Lord, I buried it. Here it is. I have an attitude. It's not about you. (laughs) I know it's time. Let us lay aside every weight and sin which easily besets us and run with endurance the race set before us. Look at Jesus, behold him, get it. He's the author and finisher. How did he do it? What did he do? What was his attitude? How did he interact with people? What were the miracles that he did? What did he say? What did he leave us? What was the commission? What's our promise? What's the future? Who for the joy set before him, there is a joy set before us. A joy set before us. A joy set before us. Nothing in this world is worth sacrificing the joy set before us. 
if it's suffering and trouble and persecution and wrestling and opposition and disappointment, nothing in this world is worth sacrificing the end game. You are not going to be sitting on little puffy clouds in a sheet with a Christmas tinsel over your head strumming a harp. It's not the joy set before us. You will judge angels, rule nations, build cities, worship, be in the presence, living, immediate, be joined into God fully integrated in a way that we can't comprehend or think where literally he and us, we and him, we are one together. Come on. Everybody sitting in this room is eternal. You will never die. Your suitcase with all them travel stickers and bumps and bruises and slits on it, worn off handle and, you know, worn out latches may lay down. But you, son, you will never die. You will never die. Get this. Let us get this. When you wake up in the morning and you look in the mirror and you feel like, oh, I'm dying. Lie. You will never die. So behold, and let your steely eyes fix on the steely eyes of that reflection and say once again, I'm a son of God. I will never die. The same glory that was on him rests on me. Abba, Father. Hallelujah. So, joy set before him. Despising the shame. We're not looking back now. We're taking this in for a transformation in our own lives. All of us experience shame in various ways. Lay it aside. It's that simple. Whatever it's laid, whatever it's connected to, lay it aside. Don't go back there. If you're experiencing rejection now, hallelujah. Got the spirit of Bobby Connor coming on me right there. (laughs) He probably is wandering around here somehow. And is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. This is not a religious laudity law. No, this is the absolute revelation of where he has brought us. Therefore, we have access through the blood of Jesus, through the veil, into the throne of God to receive grace for help in time of need. And he's not talking about... Did you make the connection there? I challenge all of us in terms of our prayer life. How do we show up before?
Because we are sons, God has sent forth his spirit. (laughs) Hallelujah. Verse 22. You have come to Mount Zion. I think we should just stand up and recognize that in truth, we do occupy two dimensions simultaneously. All the time, all the time, in many other things, but in this particularly, we have been made as priests and kings and sons, a member of an eternal heavenly legislative body. We're in. It's not about, did you show up for the meeting? But from today, you're going to recognize you're always in this place. Always. Every single moment. That's how Jesus did what he did when he was a man. He knew, "I'm I'm the son, I'm a son. My father is with me, and I'm here to speak and do his perfect pleasure. Hallelujah. But just, you know, let it, let, let something go down into your feet and, and get something in you today that changes the way you walk, that changes the way you think about where you are. Because where you are, there you is. Where you are, there you is. Something shifted just now in the realm of the spirit. I just want you to know. That's the spirit of revelation. And now God is going to help us go to the next level with some words of things that we're already experiencing. You've come to Mount Zion, the city of God, the heavenly Jerusalem. Do you recognize that we're not going out there somewhere, but actually recognizing that we're here, there? Do you get it? Say, I'm here. There. There is here. And here is there. Two dimensions. I occupy. Now. Always. To an innumerable company of angels. To the legislative body of God. And the church of the firstborn. From the dead which are written in heaven. To God, the judge of all, meaning he has utter authority and he has adjudicated all injustice through the finished work of his son. So there are decrees, it is finished, written in heaven that should be being adjudicated where we is. Because here we are, and here he is. To spirits of just men made perfect, who have handed us the baton and said, finish this. I ran. I ran well. Finish this. You know the relay races? Anybody that was in track or watched track or relay races, right? 
Your first couple of guys run, they're ahead of the record, they just give everything they got and give you the baton. What are you supposed to do? Carry it across the line first. Right? Hallelujah. Yeah. The spirits of just men made perfect to Jesus who has mediated this new thing wherein we stand. This blood of sprinkling that is speaking better things. So on and so forth. And the next line is, don't neglect this. Don't disbelieve this. Don't refuse this. Hallelujah. Say, Lord, Lord. I'm, open. I'm open. It says, see that you don't refuse him that speaks. They that refuse him who spoke on earth, much more we shall not escape. He's speaking to us from the other place. Heaven, his voice shook the earth, promised I'll shake the earth again and the heavens again. And it signifies removing the things that can be shaken so that the unshakable things can remain. You are eternal. You are eternal. Wherefore, we are receiving a kingdom that cannot be moved. Let us have grace, whereby we may serve God acceptably, acceptably with reverence and godly fear. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You may sit down. Because I have eight minutes and at least eight more bales of hay. Oh, <laughs> so, what do these three particular pictures that I just read, Elisha and the mountain full of horses, the transfiguration of Jesus and the description of that mountain to which we have come. What do they have in common and what is God saying to us? Darren, you should have a microphone. <laughs> the transfiguration was the ultimate declaration of war by God to utterly, once and for all, wipe out his enemies and redeem the nations from idol worship to himself as he attended, intended. And both Moses and Elijah had been commissioned in their day to lead that charge. And both of them disappeared from earth in this region where they reappeared that day with Jesus. Come on. Come on. We are surrounded. Including the spirits of just men made perfect who were saying, we ran. Here's the baton. Herman was the place. All those big stories, the epic stories, Joshua, King Sihon, and King Og, this is where he whooped them. Began to dispossess the gods of nations and their earthly images called idols. This is where it began. This was a declaration of war and of finally the heirs taking the inheritance, the earth that was given to them. Jesus, go into all the world, preach good news. These signs will follow those who believe. Hallelujah. So, 
few years ago, quite a few years ago, was a young wife, had three small children at this time, Ben, Anna, Sarah. We had the local pastorate serving under Derek Prince in Fort Lauderdale, Florida, and an international travel healing missions ministry together with Derek. And we had our own ministry office in addition to caring for the church. And in case you haven't noticed, the good-looking evangelist is an Easterner. <laughs> and his wife, much to the surprise of a lot of people who, when they heard, you know, Mahesh has a wife, and they kept expecting to see this Indian woman, I'm the daughter of a cowboy. In fact, a long and proud history of cowboys, like first Texas Rangers and people like that. And God, because he was incredibly bored in one of the epic, you know, unending seasons of his life, he figured that a perpetual game of cowboys and Indians might be quite entertaining. <laughs> and he put us together. And I told you how. He cast my, oh, I didn't tell you. Ah, take me to your leader. He's an Indian man, blah, blah, blah. Back in the day, there were these meetings in the outpouring of the Holy Spirit initially where everybody would go to their church on Sunday and everybody was learning cessationism there. And then all the Holy Ghost people would get together at somebody's house on Wednesday night and have a Holy Ghost meeting from all the different churches. So Mahesh was leading a whole bunch of those things. She took me to that meeting. I didn't know him. I didn't know the good-looking, gorgeous, red-headed woman that was there with him that he was engaged to. And um, it's a true story. <laughs> this is a true story. I also didn't know the very scary, dark-haired woman who was actually standing at the little podium in the corner and was saying things that scared the fire out of me in a manner that I had never seen a woman behave before in my life, especially not in a church meeting. But the minute I walked into that atmosphere, I was literally overwhelmed by a reality of God as my father for the first time in my life in a room of total strangers, doing and saying the weirdest things I'd ever seen or heard. And within a year, I was fully a member of the church of the Indian pastor. And he had me sitting in the middle of the church in a chair and prayed for me and cast demons out of me. And at that moment, I literally saw three frogs jump out of my mouth when he prayed for me. And our dear friend, Sid Roth, who has its supernatural, loved to have us on to tell this story and took it upon himself to animate it in the very cheesy way that Sid does. <laughs> and so for many, many years, people that had never met me, when they would meet me, they would go, oh, you're the woman, the frogs jumping out of her mouth. Mahesh did take me on one date before we got married. Say one. one. 
He took me to see the omen. I had asked him, what's it about? He says, it's about the Bible. Lights went down, the screen came up, and the number of his name shall be 666. Great date movie. It was an omen. They re-released the new one on our 30th anniversary, no kidding. Wow. <laughs> Come on. It's true, really. That's the truth. That is the truth. Praise the Lord. Well, well, yeah. Okay, I chased that rabbit so long, I think I forgot where I left the trail. Oh, so, Fort Lauderdale. And we got a call from our friends, this uh, couple that was very close to Derek. At the time, this was after Lydia had passed away and before he married Ruth. And we were caring for Derek on practical as well as, you know, everything else. And Mahesh was traveling with him. And uh, some of his really good friends, an apostolic couple named, named Jay and Sally Fesperman. And Jay had fallen ill and his family uh, had spoken to Mahesh and I on the phone this, this evening and said that it, you know, it looked like Jay was comatose and um, that he'd be passing over into glory within the next few hours and would we you know, just remember them in prayer and stand with them and stuff, and so we did. The next morning, I took the kids to school and as I usually did, went down to the Fort Lauderdale Beach and there was a, a three mile open stretch and I would go up and back, I would run up and back, run a six mile thing every day and that's what I would do and then I would go home and get on with my day. And this particular day, I was slogging up the beach, resenting all the people sitting over there eating ice cream and drinking orange juice and moaning and groaning about my life and all the pressures and all the challenges and all the things. And Jane Fes uh, Sally Fesperman had a place called the Inn of the Last Resort. Their ministry was for families who were in trouble and marriages that were a little bit and they were suffering a bit. And their place was called the Inn of the Last Resort. But they were like second parents in a way in our circle. And you didn't have to tell Jay and Sally what was going on. They'd been around enough just to look at you and know. And besides that, they'd been married for 190 years. So they knew, you know, how marriage went. And they loved Mahesh and I. And they recognized all the pressures and responsibilities as well as the differences that God had brought together. And we always knew and were always so encouraged when they came to town that they specifically were intercessors for our calling together. Wow. Now, this wasn't all about my marriage. It was about all of the pieces of my life. And I was sincerely <laughs> while I was running up the beach. Suddenly, this scripture, wherefore, seeing we surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, laying aside the weight and the sin that so easily besets us. Look to Jesus, the author and finisher for our faith. And that word came to me, and man, I, I said, all right, all right. 
and I was meditating on the scripture and fixing my eye on the, you know, the, the uh, condo that was at the end of this three-mile stretch where I'd have to turn around and make the trek back. And I was thinking about this scripture, and all of a sudden, a man passed me. Whew! He was flying, running, little tiny uh, pair of blue running shorts and the hottest, most amazing running shoes I'd ever seen in my life. Nice tan, silver hair kind of flying in the wind. And when he passed me, this cool breeze, he was going so fast, came off me. And as he went by, just a quick glance out of his eyes, smile wide on his face. And when he glanced at me, the of overcoming just came on me, joy, all kinds of stuff. And within the same moment that I recognized it was Jay Vesperman, he took about two quick strides and disappeared. You have come to Mount Zion. And it's populated. <laughs> wow. And in that instant, Jay was saying, here's a baton. I know you can run this race and finish well. It was so dramatic. It wasn't a trance or a vision or a simile or a blah, blah. It was real. And I looked at my watch. And when I got home, after running the whole six miles, I had a thing on my answering machine from his family saying that Jay had passed into glory and gave the time. And it was exactly. Wow when he passed by. This is the normal Christian life of sons who are with the son and his sons in the mountain. We aren't looking for encounters, friends. We are looking to stand in the fullness, indeed, of who we are now in him and him in us. Say, behold, behold. the mountain, the mountain is, full. is full. There are more. There are more. When you're standing in your kitchen with a sink full of dirty dishes and a stack of bills on the table in the morning or tomorrow or the next day and the kids and your husband just walked out and slammed the door because you didn't get up early enough to get his coffee just right or whatever's going on in your life or else you're worried about your whatever. I challenge you. Look in the mirror and say, behold. We have come to Mount Zion and we are surrounded by an innumerable host. <laughs> Hallelujah. It's time to do what Jesus told the disciples on the mountain. He's touching us. He's revealing himself to us that we might stand up and take this glory into our world. And I want to wrap this up because we were supposed to leave five minutes ago, right? 
Darren, where are you? Oh, really? Okay, so I want to talk, just share with you briefly. I tell you, I have been, people ask us all the time for language for the glory. Language about, you know, what's going on. We've, we've been through these seasons. We've, we've been through seasons of God restoring the prophetic, and then suddenly everybody is a prophet. And every impression everybody gets is some kind of prophetic word, and it's posted all over the Internet. And all kinds of people are running here, there, and yon following all of these prophecies. Hallelujah. The prophetic has been awakened and revived. But let's go on to maturity. Not leaving that behind, but bringing with us the anointing, the good stuff, recognizing you shall all prophesy. Then there was a season of everybody was an apostle. The guys that used to be prophets suddenly were apostles. And then everything was apostolic. And we're all, you know, apostolic. And it's the apostolic this and the apostolic that. And 90% of the people using that word have no clue what it even means. Evolution. (laughs) Fine. We won't go into that now. Um, I will say this. Anything that's apostolic has two legs. Has a local, stable, relational, connected in, on the foundations, ongoing, has a mobile. Miracles, signs, wonders, deliverance, evangelism. That's the apostolic. And right here, the thing that joins these two legs is the local church body. That's apostolic. So, now, a few years ago, a neuroscientist, his name is David Eagleman, as in eagle man, but that was just my own little, yeah, David Eagleman, um, He's a, he's a neuroscientist, brain science guy with a lab, and his passion was to, in observing nature, he recognized that human, the five senses of human beings do not allow us to fully apprehend and be aware of or take in all of the data that is all around us. And then he got to seeing that there are animals that have heightened receptors that can see ultraviolet or infrared light, literally. Little creature, God, honeybee going around, and can see different light that is truly there that our eyes don't see, but it's there. Right now, radio waves are passing through us. (laughs) We don't feel them, but somebody's phone conversation just went through you. We don't hear them, but they're there. Now these are natural things, but our Bible has also let us know that there are supernatural, real spiritual realities that are also all around us. And we went through this season where everybody was taking trips to heaven, so on and so forth. I want to say to you, your trip to heaven isn't necessarily going somewhere out there. 
it's being opened and recognizing in God and him in you where you are, there you is. Yeah. And it's there. Yeah. 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 So I came across this guy's work and I said, this is a little bit of language for how the Holy Spirit speaks to us, to our spirit, and then helps us to hear from the Lord and interface with the world we don't hear with our natural ears or see with our natural eyes in the middle of our day-to-day -day lives where we are hearing with natural ears and seeing with natural eyes. So what he did is he, his, his passion was um, to create something that the profoundly deaf could wear, so it'd be like their skin, that would be able to receive the sound that was there that they couldn't hear. And so he figured out a way that by recording sound on an iPhone or something like that, and then transferring it into electro, uh, electronic waves, sonic waves, transferring it from sound to touch with a computer board, essentially, that was connected to a vest that these persons could wear. Though they couldn't hear it, you could speak a word, the sound of the word would be transferred into the vest and they would feel a vibration in a particular pattern on their body and after a few days would be able to hear by the brain literally translating into language what these impressions were. And it's stunning. Now, this is not about that. But that is an illustration of this. In the fullness of time, yeah. he sent forth his spirit yeah. into our hearts, whereby we're suddenly awakened to recognize we're standing in the mountain of God. Yes. And the Lord wants us to stop listening so much to the material sensory realities and be more fully awakened to his presence that is always not in some frenetic crazy prophecy on Monday, a different one on Wednesday. We're moving here, now we're moving there. We're going, God called us here. Six months later, we're going because God called. No! Seriously. Friends, thumb sucking time is over. Yeah, it's time to throw away the noogies yeah. and the huggies yeah. <laughs> and stand up as sons in these realities that are so awesome.
And then lastly, Darren, you haven't asked me one single question. You haven't interrupted me once. I'm into it, Bonnie. I'm into it. I'm going on and on and on. So You're going to ask me a million questions the minute I come off of this platform. Do you have any thought, concept, any, anything that you would like to jump in here and make a comment? Are you sure? What about this crazy posse sitting you know, to your left and right there? Anything? You guys not like the old farmer, are you? <laughs> okay. All right. Seriously? Really? So imagine, you, you remember, oh God, I'm going to do something that I don't usually do. I usually, I'll use Patty. <laughs> Come here, Patty. Yes, Patty. So, so in science, they have a word for how humans and animals, I mean animals that see ultraviolet, infrared light, that hear uh, ultrasonic sound, and that's literally the way they navigate, or body heat, or particular you know, chemicals and all of that kind of stuff, like a bloodhound that you know, can wonder why his human doesn't know there's a cat you know, 100 yards away, or why he didn't know that the neighbor was standing here yesterday. Because the bloodhound has a different kind of perceptor in his nose than we do. But anyway, so this guy creates this vest. And he, he act, it, it's literally a thing that you put on that transfers all the stuff. And then it lights up and speaks to your body. And it isn't your brain that's rationally figuring it out, but it is the way your amazing computer brain works that it begins to recognize these patterns from the sound vibrations that are coming in and make understandable language and the story out of them. So deaf people are hearing sonically. Amazing. That's amazing. But it's an illustration. This is not about this experiment. It's an illustration. So anyway, vest. And by the way, he calls it. This is so cool. Versatile, V. Extrasensory, E. Transducer. Very Star Wars. Versatile, extrasensory, transducer, the vest. But it's a thing that you wear. You're working on something you can put on your wrist. In any case, why don't you come up here? In the story of Gideon, where Gideon is surrounded by the Midianites, and Jesus, and it was Jesus, pre-incarnate Jesus, shows up to him in the barn one night, where Gideon is just working to save the harvest that he's worked so hard for just to feed his family. And Gideon doesn't realize that God has called him to a much bigger role than just that. Look at your neighbor. Touch him in an appropriate place and say, arise. And Jesus shows up behind Gideon. Gideon's working away, sweating, scared half to death. The Midianites are going to find him. He's just trying to save a little bit of his harvest. And all of a sudden, Jesus is standing behind him going, hey, boy. <laughs> Hail, Gideon, mighty man of valor, the Lord is with you. 
And Gideon instantly went, if he really is, how come? That is not the appropriate response of a son to an encounter with God. When the captain of the host shows up, you say, yes, sir, I'm ready. Right? So anyway, and in Judges chapter 6, 34, 36, it says, and so, he said, go in the strength you have and save Israel from the Midianites as one man. In other words, this is mano a mano. You, them. One, one. Except I'm with you. And this is the way it's going to work. I'm going to put my spirit on you. So it says, the spirit of the Lord came on Gideon. And he saved Israel from the Midianites. We think of it like this. Are you okay with taking your sweater off? Yeah. Oh, good. <laughs> I've, I've done this, and I didn't know that, you know, women wear these things with a front, and then it's just a little strap. Oh. <laughs> I literally did that. Called a gal out. Let me have your jacket. And she was like, yeah, let me have your, let me have your jacket. So... We think of this, the spirit of the Lord came on Gideon. Hold my microphone, please. Try to keep it near my mouth. Okay. So we think of it like this. Here's the Holy Spirit, you know. And here's Gideon. Holy Spirit, spirit of the Lord. Comes down on Gideon. Yay. Now Gideon is empowered by the spirit of the Lord. No. Years and years ago, a Jewish friend of mine laughed at me, said, you Gentile Christians, you read that thing all wrong. That's not what it says. I said, what does it say? In the Hebrew, it's a word picture that literally says, the spirit of the Lord, it's going to be inside out because you did yeah, it. Yeah, because I did it. The spirit of the Lord put Gideon on like a glove. See, this is Gideon. Reversing the illustration now. This is Gideon on his own. But when the spirit of the Lord comes in and puts Gideon on like a glove, now whatever the spirit does animates Gideon. Come on, Gideon, mighty man of valor. Stand up. Go in this the strength you have and save Israel as one man. Yeah. The spirit of the Lord God is upon me because he has anointed me to preach good news, to heal the brokenhearted, release the prisoners. Hallelujah, Lord. So, in science... The word that they have, you can do whatever you want. 
the word that they use. And again, I've been searching for language so that we could get together and get a little clarity on some of the realities that we walk in that maybe we're not recognizing fully. Right, right, right. But in science, the world and space and cosmos surrounding humans and animals is called by a German word, the Umwelt. The Umwelt, say um, Umwelt. The Umwelt. This is, this is the cosmos surrounding you that takes in all of the light data, all of the sound and heat and biochemical and organic and all of the material things and all of the interfacing and all of the interaction. And that is a human's or an animal's umwelt. I want to suggest to you, as sons of God, our umwelt is described in that simple passage in the book of Hebrews that says, you have come to Mount Zion, to the city of the living God, to the church of the firstborn from the dead, to innumerable company of angels, to the spirits of just men made perfect, to God the judge of all in Jesus, the mediator and the blood that is speaking. Make sure you recognize it and don't turn away. Because we will account for it. So, arise. Get your vest. Yes. Yeah. Ah, yes, yes. <laughs> As a simple act of faith, every person who is willing to volunteer to lay aside the weight and the sin that so easily entangles us and run with endurance with a fixed gaze on the prize. Everyone who is willing, we're going to do a little act of faith and we are going to put on our Holy Ghost versatile extrasensory transducer. <laughs> Not that we don't have him in us, et cetera, et cetera. We're basically his skin. That's it. And here's the deal. You are actually living organically in a spiritual context, literally connected and intermixing and interfacing with every other person who also has been put on like a glove. This mountain is full of chariots and horses. And it is why you're doing your dishes and you suddenly think of some other believer somewhere in another city that you haven't thought of for three years. And their little picture or name passes through you. You are in the mountain with them in the presence of the Lord. 
And the thing is to stand in the mountain and say amen. Amen. Amen to the desire of the lamb. Is this, is, mm. yeah? That's why our prayer lives must not be. We are the assembly in the heavenly Jerusalem, not up there, out there, here. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And again, I'll say concerning these things, you start in your Jerusalem. You start in your Jerusalem. If you can't take the jurisdiction of your Jerusalem and stand in that as an heir, don't be wandering into Samaria because they got some idols over there that are big. And definitely don't be prayer walking in Kazakhstan with your shofar. Why? Because there are people there who have that jurisdiction. If they invite you into their jurisdiction to bring what you got and assist them in possessing their jurisdiction, awesome, that's apostolic. But that other thing, that's just every man doing what's right in his own eyes, and I just should never said that. But it's the truth. That's the truth. We're a body with millions of believers on this earth making a frontal assault on nations possessed by gods and idols and men in darkness that God has determined to have for himself. Hallelujah. In this mountain that we read about where Jesus was transfigured, the last place Moses and Elijah showed up and they showed back up and they said, man, we're taking it on from here. Everything we ran for, we're going to do this thing now. Yes. It was in that mountain, at the very foot of that mountain, where Jesus looked to Peter and said, what are people saying about me? Peter said, man, they're saying Elijah have come back. They're saying you're some kind of prophet. He said, no, no, okay. How about you? Who am I? Peter instantly said, I know who you are. You're him. You are the son we've waited for. And he said, that's right, Peter. And that's the rock I'm going to build my church on. And let me tell you this, the gates of hell at the foot of this mountain called Hermon, they can't withstand what's about to happen. So I suggest to you that we have challenged three thumb-sucking ways of thinking. <laughs> the first one that heaven and all that stuff is somewhere out there, up there, over there, in the future, or whatever. I've challenged that to say we occupy two dimensions. Where we are, there we is. You have come to that mountain.
To be honest with you, I just forgot the other two. <laughs> I'll remember the minute I come off the stage. Yeah. Yep, totally out of my mind. I had him really clear when I said we challenge three. So, we're going to put on our versatile, say versatile, extra, sensory, transducer. Take your vest and go ahead and put it on and zip it up. The Spirit of the Lord God is on me. He has anointed me. Can I make one more comment? The dynamic of encounter and hearing God speak, where you really get a commission, is not always with fireworks and seeing a man run by you on the beach. In the story of Elijah, when he had capitulated just before finishing the race, he was hiding in a cave, and the Lord <laughs> went back in there and said, come here, stand out here on the ledge of this cave. And an earthquake and a wind and all fire and all kinds of. This was a guy who had seen God move like that. And then the Bible says, we say, a still small voice. That is not what the Hebrew says. You know what it says? There came a thin silence. And it was the thin silence that communicated to him, just like your versatile extrasensory transducer, that thin silence <laughs> communicated to all that Elijah knew of God and of himself. And suddenly there came to him the revelation that he was to anoint his successor, who would anoint a king, and another king would be anointed. And that moment of crisis in Elijah's life, where the thin silence was his encounter, changed forever 
dramatically the next 50 years of the lives of two nations and every individual in them. Some of you are in a season that feels like thin silence. I submit to you, God is speaking to you by his spirit. You're versatile, extrasensory, transducer. May he help us to gather and understand what he's commissioning us to do. Podcasts are definitely trending right now. There are so many brand new podcasts that are hitting the market. And I think that iTunes is kind of overwhelmed. And one of the ways that iTunes aggregates what's hip and relevant from the rest of the noise that's hitting the web is through ratings and reviews. A bunch of you have already taken the time to leave a rating and a review of this podcast. And I just wanted to say thanks. You guys are incredible and you're so supportive and I love you. And if you haven't had a chance to take that minute or two to leave a review. If you do that, that'd be incredible. And I've created a shortcut to get you there. It's the darrenshow.com. That's the darrenshow.com. You can give it one star and that means that you think it's kind of lame or you can give it five stars. And that means that you think this thing be dope, be tight, be off the chain. So if you would take the minute or two to leave a review, that would be mighty fine of you. Again, it's the darrenshow.com. Thanks guys.